welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's November 21st, 2019, and this is episode 36. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. new in theaters this weekend we've got some interesting choices first up is uh, an animated family film from Walt Disney Animation Studios it's the sequel to Frozen uh, which is called Frozen 2 and I've actually seen Frozen 2 already and I will be reviewing it later on the podcast so Frozen 2 is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for action peril and some thematic elements next up is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood which is a comedy drama from Sony Pictures Entertainment. This is a film where Tom Hanks portrays Fred Rogers, or Mr. Rogers, uh, from the beloved public television program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And But actually, from what I understand, I haven't seen this film yet, but it's really more about uh, a jaded writer who's named Tom Junod, J-U-N-O-D. And he actually did a profile for for Esquire magazine about Mr. Rogers, and it really changed his life. So this movie covers more about this writer's journey than it does about Mr. Rogers, per se, so I understand. But uh, so this, this writer learns to overcome his skepticism and becomes more empathetic, kind, and decent um, after spending time from Amer- with excuse me, America's most beloved neighbor. So, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for some strong thematic material, a brief fight, and some mild language. As a side note, if you didn't get a chance to see the great documentary which was released last year called Won't You Be My Neighbor, which was a documentary about about Mr. Rogers, that was, I just thought, absolutely a terrific film. So, Hopefully this uh, this new uh, drama is good too, and and uh, you know it's nice for paying tribute to, to 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 Mr. Rogers and heaven knows we we could use some decency and civility in the world. So next up is Twenty One Bridges, which is a uh, which is an action drama from STX Entertainment. Twenty One Bridges follows an embattled NYPD detective who's played by Chadwick Boseman who is thrust into a citywide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected conspiracy. As the night unfolds, line becomes blurred on who he is pursuing and who is in pursuit of him. Uh, When the search intensifies, extreme measures are taken to prevent the killers from escaping the island of Manhattan as the authorities close all 21 bridges uh, on and off the island to prevent any entry or exit from... Uh, uh, from Manhattan. So, anyway, uh, I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, this movie got delayed a little bit, which I always wonder about (laughs) when that happens. But anyway, it's opening up this weekend. It's rated R by the Motion Picture Association for violence and language throughout. Uh, And then, finally, for new films this weekend, actually, this film, I think, depending on where you live, it might have been playing for a week or two. Uh, 
But this is The Irishman. This is the uh, latest film directed by Martin Scorsese. And uh, it's actually going to be playing on Netflix starting November 27th. But in order for it to qualify to be uh, nominated for uh, an Academy Award, it's got to play in uh, a first-run theater. So... Uh, I was able to see it on the big screen. I'm, I'm planning to do a, a full review of it in in uh, the next podcast. But as you might have been, as you as you might be familiar with, it's it's a it's a it's really a. I mean, it's based on a novel, uh, but it's it's a kind of a an impossible interpretation of what happened when union leader and convicted criminal Jimmy Hoffa disappeared in 1975. Uh, this film stars Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is the Irishman who is basically, he's a, you know, he's a monster. It talks about his evolution and it covers like a 60 year period or so. Uh, could be a little off on that, but uh, you know, decades and they do a really fantastic job of in this film of of aging and de-aging these these actors. So Robert De Niro plays the lead character. Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, Joe Pesci's in it, and uh, Ray Romano. I mean, it's really it's a really interesting cast, and the the acting and the filmmaking are really are really superb. Uh, and I'll, uh, you know, again, I'll be, I'll be doing a, a full discussion about it, uh, in, in probably my next podcast. So, so again, it's now in select theaters. Hopefully it's in your market if it's something that you want to see, but also if you're a Netflix subscriber, you'll be able to watch it on, on November 27th. The Irishman is rated R. Um, hello, it's Martin Scorsese, right? Uh, by the Motion Picture Association for pervasive language and strong violence. So there you have it. The four. Uh, major studio films opening up this weekend. Frozen 2, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, 21 Bridges, and The Irishman. Reviews this week. There are two films I want to talk about. One film opened up last week, and since I didn't do a podcast last week, I'm reviewing it uh, right now. This is Ford v Ferrari, or Ford versus Ferrari, and uh, this is a terrific action film from 20th Century Fox. It stars Matt Damon and Christian Bale. So. You're, if, if, if you're not familiar with this with this history, this is actually based on a true story. Uh, the Ford Motor Company from the United States, uh, they, in the 1960s, wanted to buy Ferrari, as in the Italian race car manufacturer. Ferrari was having some financial troubles in the mid-60s, and uh, Ford wanted to come in and be able to take advantage of, of 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 that very much beloved and respected brand 
And uh, who knows what necessarily Ford would have done, done with it, but still they wanted to buy it. And there was, they had, they had a verbal agreement with the firm's owner, Enzo Ferrari. Well, it turns out that Enzo Ferrari was really just using Ford to jack up the price. And he ended up selling to the Italian automobile, automobile manufacturer Fiat uh, behind Ford's back. So uh, Ford, the Ford Motor Company was embarrassed. Uh, the Ford management team was insulted and they decided they were going to go to war, <laughs> you know, quote unquote war against Ferrari and build a race car to race in the prestigious 24 hour of Le Mans race, which happens annually in Le Mans, France. Uh, this is a race that truly it, it is. It's, it's it's done over a 24 hour period. Each team, if I'm not mistaken, has three drivers, and 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 they rotate. You know, as the car comes in to to uh, uh, for a pit stop. But uh, anyway, Ford in 1966 actually beat Ferrari at Le Mans, and it was a really big deal. In fact, Ford dominated Le Mans. For four years after that, so 1966 through 69, and it's 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 a really fascinating it's a fascinating story. This film, of course, is highly dramatized, but still, uh, it's just supreme Hollywood entertainment, and uh, such such an interesting film. So Matt Damon plays Carol Shelby, and you might recognize the name Carol Shelby. Uh, or just at least the name Shelby, that you know, there's a there's a Shelby Mustang and, and and the Shelby Cobra, but but Carol Shelby was a former race car driver who turned into a sports car designer, and he partnered with with multiple manufacturers, but he really had a had a close relationship with the Ford Motor Company. Um, Carol Shelby actually won. Uh, he used to drive for Aston Martin, the British car manufacturer and he won at Le Mans in 1959 so again kind of a distinct uh honor that he had and and, and again an experience and knowledge that he actually knew how to how what it takes to win at Le Mans uh and so Ford hired him to be the team manager and then uh Carol Shelby really was a strong advocate for a British uh car engineer and and driver named Ken Miles. And in the film, Ken Miles is played by Christian Bale. And so really the film explores the relationship that Carol Shelby and Ken Miles had and how they worked together to take on Ferrari at Le Mans. Uh, also, though, an interesting thing, and it's almost... Uh, you know, it's I mean clearly about this whole dynamic between the Americans and the Italians with with the Ford Motor Company and, and Ferrari battling it out. But really, there's also this very interesting component where of the film, which is which I think is also true to the story, where uh, uh, Carol Shelby really had a battle with the Ford Motor Company leadership team on on. Uh, using Ken Miles on, you know, uh, as, as a racer, Ken Miles was, was known as, as a very difficult man. And, and you can see how, you know, he's portrayed in the film. 
I mean, if he gets portrayed rather sympathetically in the film, but still, you know, you can see that how this guy's got, there's some challenges uh, working with him, but he's just, just this amazing racer and, you know, driver. So, so uh, anyway, that, that is an interesting dynamic and really the dynamic between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles is, is, is really cool. The final third of, of this film is, is that, 1960 is a recreation of that 1966 race at the 24 hour of Le Mans. And, and it's so cool. This film was directed by James uh, Mangold and he and his team just did the really most amazing job of recreating uh, this race, but just did a really ex just expert job of, of uh, telling, telling the story and really, you know, taking us through this race. And, I mean, it's, you know, it, this race is 24 hours, so, of course, they have to cut it, cut it down. But uh, it's just technically so excellent. And uh, I think there was a lot of practical filming that they did with actual cars. And then I think a lot of it was done, of course, with, with computers. But... Uh, just the cinematography is absolutely stunning. The sound design is remarkable. I saw it in in an IMAX theater, and you know, typically IMAX theaters are known for their not only for their wonderful big picture, but also for their sound. And literally, the the sound design just was rolling around the theater in just the most uh, exciting and interesting and interesting way. But those race, so the the, the race scenes are all winners and particularly that that one at the end. So I really can't recommend enough uh, seeing Ford versus Ferrari. It is such an entertaining and terrific film. So so definitely put that one on your list. And if you can, go see it in the theater and on the biggest screen possible. Uh, next up is in reviews is the Walt Disney Animation Studios film Frozen 2. So, you know, Frozen 2 is a sequel to the 2013 mega hit, if you can even call it a mega hit. I mean, it was just a phenomenon, uh, that original Frozen film. So, uh, all, all, all the same cooks were, were brought back into the kitchen. So, uh, directors, same directors, which uh, were teams Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck. Uh, I think most of the same was the same producer, uh, Peter Del Vecchio at, at Disney Animation. Uh, I don't know about the artists per se, but I bet you a lot of the same artists worked on the, worked on this film that worked on the first one. Uh, the same songwriters, Bobby Lopez and his wife Kristen Anderson Lopez. Anyway, I, I heard an interview with Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell's is, is the uh, you know the voice actress of of the character Anna in the film. And what she was saying is, you know, when you when you are baking a cake and you're using, you know, the exact same chef and the exact same ingredients, you're gonna get the same kind of cake. And I think she brings up a good point because uh, this is this is a really fun film. This is a really good film, uh, just like the first one was. Now, I I really thought the first Frozen film was terrific. I got a little puzzled with the whole Frozen phenomenon. Uh, you know, it, the film became so popular, it really took a life, uh, 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 you know, of its own. Uh, 
I also think that that the Walt Disney Company kind of didn't help it. I mean, who can blame them? Because here they had this this monster hit, and they wanted to take advantage of it. But I believe they had something, and it seems to me that it was called like the Frozen Phenomenon, something to that effect. And anyway, it was frozen everywhere. Like you know, I remember going to uh, Disneyland, and you know, you just frozen merchandise was everywhere no matter what where you were in the park i mean it was almost a little too much you know it's just like okay we get it this was your movie and it was successful but we don't necessarily need to you know buy frozen merchandise you know in adventureland or tomorrowland or whatever uh i remember you know and I've told the I've told the story before, but I I remember this is like an all time kind of an all time low. I walked into my local Walgreens, and literally on an end cap, and right near the front of the store, there was a frozen Snuggie, which is one of those blankets you know that has the sleeves, and a frozen humidifier. So you know you could get this humidifier with Anna and Elsa and Olaf on it or whatever, and I just thought, wow, you know. What's up with this? So, anyway, the Frozen Phenomenon was not necessarily my favorite thing. However, it really didn't diminish my uh, love and appreciation for the original film. And here now we've got this sequel. Uh, I'm going to keep this spoiler free. But but uh, Frozen 2 is really a wonderful complement to the first film. I think, they, I think that, that the creative team team did an expert job of creating a, a new and interesting story uh, for for uh, these sisters, for Anna and Elsa. But so that wasn't necessarily a repeat, although there's, you know, clearly some things that they do again, like, oh, here's all, one of Olaf's funny songs, or, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, or here's, you know, a chance for Elsa to have, this is kind of her let it go moment, you know, in this film, or whatnot. But it but uh, it's still it's still different enough and original enough that that uh, again I found I found it surprising and, and, and really you know really uh, enjoyable. So in this film, it really it really picks up where the other film ended. There's also been you know a couple of frozen shorts that were that were made, and this is just this kind of takes place right out after them too. But Anna and Elsa are. You know, Queen Elsa and Princess Anna, they're ruling their kingdom of Arendelle, uh, and, and and life's pretty good, pretty, and kind of unchanged, or unchanging. Uh, Anna's still hanging out with Kristoff, and uh, and Sven the Reindeer, of course, and then uh, Olaf, Olaf is there too. He doesn't have a little flurry over him, he talks about something, I think he's got some kind of new, new, uh, snow composition that's that, that's that doesn't melt so anyway uh but but elsa's hearing voices and uh she's not quite sure what they're telling her and and, and she, she's wondering if she should just block them out or what what she should do but anyway elsa heeds the call to these voices and it really s propels then uh this film into a fun adventure uh, they they leave Arendelle and they go into this enchanted forest and I'm not going to give really anything away other than I thought that that 
you know, one of the strengths of the original film, and it's the same with this one too, is that there's just a lot of good action. You know, there's 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 some interesting action, your set pieces, uh, that that makes it entertaining. Uh, of course, really at its core, it's a movie about two sisters, and and that's the way with the original Frozen, and it's the same with this one. Both of them have some some big challenges that they have to overcome. And and I think that's really satisfying. Uh, at the film's core are the big questions that I think a lot of us had uh, after the first film. Is like, well, where does Elsa get her powers? And also, like, what in the world happened to their parents? Like, why why did their ship go down? What were they doing? You know, why did they why did they leave? So so uh, these questions get answered and. Uh, but really, you, you you get to go on a fun ride. I think that I think that the new songs that the Lopez has created are really great. I'm gonna have to listen to the soundtrack probably a little bit more. I I, I hate I hate to necessarily just compare it to the first film. I think those songs in the first film were all just so terrific. Um, I guess they'd be hard to beat. But but uh, I've I found that at least with the first listen. That the songs I thought were, were really good, they were catchy, they were fun, and they propelled the story forward in in in, in good ways, which, which is their job to do, right? Uh, we'll see what kind of a hit Frozen Two is. Uh, uh, I think it'll be hard to surpass the first one, but but maybe maybe Frozen Fever will will strike again. <laughs> Let's hope it's not to the extent of the Frozen phenomenon that was that. That first one, because I'm still not buying, uh, uh, you know, a Frozen Two Snuggie. So anyway, uh, for sure go see Ford versus Ferrari and Frozen Two. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Links and more information about all the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Until next time, thanks for listening and see you at the movies. Movies.